You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I mean, who would have thought that three weeks into the year, four four weeks into the new year, that people who say words like stonks are going <laughs> to overthrow the stock market? Taking over the world. That's a song. <laughs> the future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. Today's show, we are going to be talking about what we watched this week, all of us, kept keeping us entertained throughout the week, and then we will dive into the fifth episode. Is it fifth episode? Fifth episode of WandaVision, we interrupt your program. No, yeah, I was going to say fourth. fourth, yeah. Fourth episode of WandaVision, we interrupt your program. We interrupt your program with this correction. With this correction. There you go. Uh, on today's panel, I am Mitch. We also have Steven. That's me, the leader of the Double Dusted Doritos movement. That's right. Jessica. Hello. And John. Hi. Elizabeth couldn't join us today, but she will be adding in a blip of uh, her opinion on WandaVision uh, in the episode... She'll record later. So, okay. to start it off, Stephen, what did you watch this week? Oh, no. As soon as you said that she wasn't here, I was like, wait, <laughs> that means I'll be first for the week's watch. Oh, no. Okay. Now, actually, I, I've been keeping track of mine. Um, I'm just going to do one just for like timeliness sake and then just mention the other one that I got for this week. But this week, uh, I, I watched two things. Um, I watched The Vast of Night and The Magicians. Like the, the TV, TV show? series based on the books. Yeah. Oh, have you read the books before? No. Oh, neither have I. But I watched the first two seasons of the show and I love it. I just haven't gone back for the second two seasons or the third and fourth season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, are they still going at this point? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, honestly, that kind of just makes sense to me. It <laughs> seems like a show that would only get like a few seasons, then go away. And then it'll get like a reboot of sorts when they make like an offshoot series of novels on a different network. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> it's going to have the Winx Club moment. But yeah, no. So for this one, uh, I guess I'll talk about the magicians since like there, we know a little bit more about this one here. Um, for the magicians, I, I got really put off by the advertising campaign when the show was first starting. Like, do you guys remember the ads for the show, the magicians? All I remember is like the, the like people floating or like weird magical things happening around them, but like just a person, like it wasn't, I didn't remember seeing any trailers. Yeah. Mm. Well, 
all I remember for the ads for the show was that all of the ads on every single banner on all the websites that I went to were just like, this isn't your dad's Harry Potter. Sexy, sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very much a case of the same kind of situation as what happened with the movie Ex Machina, Mm. where I never went to watch it because of how bad the ads put me off. Uh, the ads for Ex Machina, literally, like this whole tagline thing thing for it was just "Beware, sexy robots." And from <laughs> what I understand of that movie, there's a little bit more to it than that. There's <laughs> like, a lot more to it, yeah. <laughs> but from that, I was just like, I don't think I need to watch this. And that was very much why I stay away from the magicians. But watching there's also it, sexy robot disco dancing in, in the movie. Yep. Yes. Why see they should put that in the trailer? <laughs> I mean, you kind of you do. You see, you see Oscar Isaac in the trailer disco dancing, and that's the beginning of that scene. Interesting. I honestly, I didn't even remember that Oscar Isaac was in this. Yeah. Uh, well, in, in Ex Machina. In yeah. Ex Machina, yeah. Um, but no, for for the magicians, I stayed away for so long because of that. But going to watch the show, I really like the pitch of it, and the main actor, I really like him. Like he's playing that character, I think, really well. Even the guy's like the shape of his mouth, like lends itself to the kind of character that he is. Where he's kind of like demure, like, wait, what am I doing here? <laughs> kind of thing. Like he's cast really well for this. Uh, my main issue is the same issue that I have with all of the other kind of shows that fill the same kind of space. Um, for like uh, Sabrina, Archie, so many other series that are just like the side characters end up being very much like kind of paper thin, even when they're trying to flesh them out. It's still like these 2d kind of character motivations. How but, far did you get? Uh, I think we're four or five episodes in. I think you'll have a different opinion by the time you get to the end of the first season. You're saying I'm going to hate the lead character. Okay. I know. I think you'll enjoy <laughs> the side characters a lot more and you see that they have more depth. Okay. I look forward to that very much, yeah. but I really like that the beginning of the series is what it is. It's this whole like character out of the world that they're in, um, in this whole new world of magic and everything that was just below the surface. It's a classic thing for anime. I forget what the name of the, the, um, the genre is for that one, but that's a whole genre in anime where it's oh, a character really? out of water in a new world because yeah. it's so common. Oh, um, is it? I've watched right? like, quite a few of them too, oh. and I knew the name because sometimes I don't love them too much because mm-hmm. they're very male gaze based uh, usually too. So I- isekai, yeah, isekai, yeah. But yeah, um, so it's that kind of story, but with this like uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe mm-hmm. um, kind of Harry Potter backdrop, and I really enjoy that. It, there's there's something that's really cool in there, and you saying that it gets better as the season goes on definitely has more of my attention. So one of the problems that I had with the show when I first started watch, when I first watched it was the and maybe I remember this wrong or maybe I interpreted it wrong when I when I first saw it, but um, the school itself like. Mm-hmm. The way that they're like, we don't really help you after the school, like after you get out of school, we don't put you in a, a you know job or you know do anything like that. It's essentially, we just like train you how to use your magic, and then you go out, like you go and do whatever. And it's just like that seems irresponsible, <laughs> honestly. But that that's also how 
school is. <laughs> how school is here. Yeah. Yeah, that's teaching the arts right there. We don't we don't set you up with a job. You, we just teach you how to use Photoshop and Premiere and then get the hell out of here. <laughs> I guess I, that's a, that is also true. I don't know. I guess I was yeah, just even, too used to even, Harry Potter where, you know, it's like at the end of Harry Potter, everybody seems to have something to do with the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> I mean, but there's in Harry Potter, there's no like, you don't have counselors who are like, okay, well, would you like to be in the field of banking or anything? They're just kind of like, well, like we're, we're going to teach you how to like wrangle a, a, a mandrake and then I guess, good luck, don't get killed by like a hippogriff. That's what, that's what the owls are for. They're the ones that help you kind of figure out, you know, based on your aptitude, what kind of job you could land to realistically. That's fair. They yeah. do. They do have the owl levels. That's true. I forgot about that. You were just saying a second ago, Jessica. Oh yeah, I'd say like law school is actually like that. They teach you like law, but they don't teach you how to be a court attorney. They don't teach you any of that stuff. Yeah, you have to learn that. I mean, too. obviously, Elizabeth would have been better to answer this question, but uh, don't they? <laughs> don't they like help you become a cl- a clerk while you're in school? Like. I mean, you I guess they kind of try to set you up with internship programs so you can learn. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I, I think it also depends on where you are. Like, I went to psychology school here, and we have – psychology school. I got my bachelor's in psychology <laughs> here. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're supposed to do, like, some kind of internship in your last year, but there's so little options here mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. professors are like, yeah, you're, you got nothing. Good good luck. Bye. <laughs> Here's your paper. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I hope you, you, uh, stick along with it. Uh, it was the magicians is probably the last show that I regularly watched on sci-fi channel. Like I, I, I used to like shows that were on there, but I don't care for any of the stuff that's on there now. Like I, yeah. but then again, I haven't really given a chance to what Van Helsing or is it? No, is it Van Helsing? The, the last one that I was really super interested in on sci-fi was when they had like, I guess pioneered. Um, adapting the Expanse novels, but yeah. as a person who read the first book, I did not like that show at all. Mm. And that was the last time they really got my attention. Okay. Wait, wait. Did, I feel like was it that's a Deadly Class? I'm sorry, Jess. Uh, well, that's right, I Deadly like, Class. Yeah, I, I guess know. I tried that more recently. Uh, no, I I feel like I saw an ad today for a sci-fi show that was, and I can't remember who the actor was in it, but he plays an alien that's been observing Earth. Oh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah. Tudyk. I wasn't for sure. I was like, was it Tudyk? But I wasn't for sure. I only know his voice now. <laughs> I know. That's how I was like, is it? I don't know. But um, and he's like an alien that, like, somehow, like, is I think obsessed. He's just watching Earth, but he ends up taking over the body. I assume of a mortician, and he tries to solve crime. <laughs> and he's obsessed with Law and Order, so he goes dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that one I would watch. I was like, oh, this one, maybe I can watch a sci fi show again. Oh, that Wait, did start last Queen, Oh, that's right. Vagrant Queen was, was a. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I stand by the whole I haven't enjoyed any of the sci fi series. <laughs> uh, oh, Wyota. Why, why, Winona Earp or whatever. That was a. Yeah, yeah. Winona Earp, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was Earp. another one that was something. I didn't watch it, but I heard people say it was good, but I was like, ah, it doesn't look good to me. But so. Hmm. It, yeah, I, Alien or Re, uh, Resident Alien just came out this past Thursday, and I, I did record it, but I haven't watched it yet, so mm. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll report back. So, <laughs> Stephen, was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, I didn't enjoy the Vast of Night as much as I thought I would, but I still had a good time Aww. with it. Mm. Yeah, 
Yes, every, it's okay. every, everybody go just, and this talk is one to I Steven. Live with. Go go talk to Steven on Twitter about why he didn't like Bassinite. It's mm-hmm. it's a good discussion. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and the magicians, I assume you watched it on Netflix. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Jessica, what did you watch this week? I so after John talked about Sound Exploder, mm-hmm. I caught a couple episodes of that on Netflix. I watched. Oh, the the Lin Manuel Miranda, the Wait for It episode, because I just like how that guy writes in general, and I I didn't even realize where he wrote Hamilton, and I was like, whoa, that's cool, you wrote it in a historic, well, yeah, whatever, it's like, but <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And then I decided to watch the one on Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, because mm. um, that's one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails songs, weirdly, but. Um, it's a good song. And, mm-hmm. But that one put me in kind of like a downer mood. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I need something, something different to watch. And I thought I'd just watch like a first episode of. And like that day, trending was Fate, a Wink Saga. Like Fate, mm. colon, a Wink Saga. And I yeah. was like, Winks. I was like, and I vaguely remembered a cartoon about teenage fairies <laughs> I was like, like what's this winks club is an yeah. interesting one to have gotten adapted yeah i know so i was like wait that random fairy one that i always got confused between what was it i saw at the totally time, spies like, totally spies and witches though like uh, all of all of those were like the same time and whatever which but I was like, they adapted it, and that, and it was rated TVMA too. And I was like, they adapted a kids show into. <laughs> I guess it's like Riverdale, though. It, I, I guess I only watched one episode of Riverdale, but oddly, that one episode led to me the next day binging the entire series, which wasn't too hard because it's only six episodes, mm. and I, I don't even know. I liked it. I don't like teen dramas anymore, but this one, I was like, I really like this. It. It really, it's kind of sort of like the magicians where I feel like people are going to compare it to Hogwarts or whatever, but it's, it's this girl that, you know, she grows up in our world and she discovers she's a fire fairy and she gets invited to this magical school in another dimension. And just through being teenagers and shenanigans and finding out that your whole life is a lie, gets into a lot of trouble and you know, has a group of roommates and they're all different kind of fairies. Um, and it's got a bunch of cute boys in it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all dating and it's just, I don't know. It's it just, it was actually good though. Like normally like Riverdale, I couldn't do cause it was too angsty. This one did have teen angst in it, but it wasn't unrealistic teen angst. Like she literally is finding out that her life is a lie. She's been lied to and she's still being lied to. And kind of things from these people that sort of have given her a second chance. And so all the angst kind of makes sense. But there's even like in the end, there's a time where she realizes she's like, I've been a brat. I'm sorry. And I was like, this is so refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) And also um, the side characters, it's only six episodes. All the side characters are really great and fully development, which was something I did notice in The Magicians when I watched it like a couple years ago. And I never went back to it because I just didn't care about any of the characters yet. And it just was kind of tedious to watch at the time. But this one, all I, like some of the side characters were better developed than the main character in the beginning. Like there's one really strong character named Tara that's an earth witch. And she's mm. she's not fat, but she's considered fat. 
kind of thing in this she, world. She's, she's like she's like the Bolin of this series. Yeah, but she's so strong. She's also the most strong character. Like she will stand up for herself and stand up for others. And she like takes a traumatic event and she's just like, I got this. Like this is fine. Like I loved her. I liked even the the typical what is it like catty girl. There's a princess character and she's super oh, catty. Yeah. But yeah. She, she's she's fleshed out really well. Yeah. So you watched it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's <laughs> really fleshed out really well. And then by the end of it, you're like, yeah, no, you you have a right to be like that. Like, and then once she's like, okay, I've been a shit, she <laughs> was not a 180, not an unrealistic 180, but like a yeah, I do care about you people. I'll help you out kind of thing. Like, why in just it's great. Like they mesh all these different archetypes of girl characters and they they just do really good at building each character up but not changing that base of the character kind of thing which i don't know i was i was literally like i never would have thought i would have liked this and so i'm really glad that i needed to watch it because i'm like i can't wait for the next season i'm like what's gonna happen this is crazy <laughs> I'm gonna, did, did you watch the DreamWorks Voltron series on Netflix? No, I did not. Okay. I feel like that's kind of in the same path as all of these kinds of shows in general. Um, this one just ha- that happens to be animated and animated really well. If you're a fan of like Legend of Korra and everything, it's very much, it's, it's actually sharing some of those people who did I the animation. Like I almost watched it, but I can't remember why. I think at the time I was watching, because it's like a mech one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the time I'd watched so many of them that I was like, I don't need another <laughs> mech anime in my I life. Don't blame, anyway. I don't blame you. So, but yeah, I haven't watched anime in a while, so maybe I'll go ahead and pick that up next. I'll put it on my list. But. So I need to know what is Winx Club and then how does it relate <laughs> to Winx Saga? Winx Club is was originally an Italian cartoon that gained popularity in America. And it's basically, if I remember correctly, around the same plot of this girl goes to a magical fairy school and learns fairy powers and friendship and fiance stuff and whatever. So it's basically but like, an off-brand Tinkerbell. No, like uh, like honestly, like think like the, the Tinkerbell, like the fuller lore that we've gotten, plus Power Rangers and Harry Potter. Yeah, oh, wow. there you go. It's one of those good <laughs> mixed genre things, like teen drama, but with magic. Not quite Harry Potter level depth to it, but like more enjoyable. <laughs> okay, okay. In the short, in the short thing, I just I'm not to say Harry Potter is not enjoyable, but I'm just more <laughs> saying like easier to watch, I guess. That's like, fair. yeah, like. It's the yeah. author we have a problem with. I know. Well, now. <laughs> now. What was... Is it, didn't they do like a... Wasn't uh, Netflix responsible for like a Code Lyoko reboot also? I don't know. Am I is. crazy? Oh, no, no. I'm thinking of reboot when they did reboot and they tried to make it into a Power Rangers series. Oh, yeah. Because Code Lyoko, in my mind, is intertwined with Winx Club. That's eternally. the one that was the kids... They went into like the virtual world and <clears throat> like a video game type world, and then they were yeah. trying to get that AI girl out of it or whatever. Alita. Alita. Yeah, I remember. Code Yoko is on Netflix. It, it popped up. I think I watched a few episodes like a couple months ago. Like I remember this show. <laughs> if if the Winx Club, 
if the Wings Club series goes over well, just give us the Code Lyoko one, guys. Come on. Did yeah, you... no, that one would be fun at this point. Yeah. Did you watch the reboot remake? Me? Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it wasn't bad. Like I know it wasn't anything like the original reboot show, but like mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is kind of different. Like it's okay. I'm okay with it, but I don't know. It was yeah, weird. But- it, it checked certain boxes for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they, they they get powers and they're like on the chromatic scale in their suits. <laughs> this is, this is all it takes to get Steven's attention, guys. <laughs> all right. I know the next thing we're making for Steven. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, J- Jess, thank you for bringing up the Winx, the Winx Club reboot thing. I, I, I'm glad someone did. Yeah, which is it's a, such a good length too that was my other thing because at first i thought six episodes but then once you get through the six episodes you're like that was actually the perfect length to tell a story and not have too much teenage fluff in between like because i feel like that's what i get with riverdale a lot, or mm-hmm. a couple of the other teen dramas that have come up lately is that it's just so much like oh god just get over it already and that's <laughs> like they didn't have time they had to get over it like <laughs> kind of thing so I, was, I highly recommend it actually i'm like yeah and i already recommended it to a, to a few of my friends that watch those kinds of shows so and that was a, a netflix original so yeah there and they go. do not have all of the winks cartoon anywhere they have like one random season of it i think like the last season of it because i was like i know i watched winks for a bit but i don't think it was like one i watched regularly so i was like mm-hmm. i wanted to go back and be like what is the difference here but is that so weird <laughs> I was gonna say, is that a show that would be like on uh, Crunchyroll or something? It was. It was on. Okay, it was on a weird time in the U.S. It was a part of the Fox Box, if I remember correctly. I think which so. Was yeah. When, when Fox Kids transitioned into being something else that was supposed to be a little more adult, and they had all terrible, terrible shows. They had the Stargate or Stargate um, Infinity series that no Stargate fan talks about ever again. <laughs> Uh, a, a wrestling anime that's way better than it had any right to be. Uh, the Kirby TV show. Oh, man. <laughs> I remember. I think that's why I didn't watch it because I think at the same time, something else like one of those Saturday morning things was also going on and I probably preferred to watch. So mm-hmm. like, I, so only when that was like a rerun or something would I be like, what's on Fox Fox? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you were in the right to be elsewhere on Saturday mornings <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Okay, so uh, that that is on Netflix. And John, what is a uh, what is it that you watch this week? So one of my favorite comedies of all time is a little movie called Waiting dot 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 or ellipses. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it's it's raunchy, it's gross, but it's charming. You know it has a lot of people in it I like. There was a direct to video sequel. I remember called oh. Still Waiting. It was not good, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> this movie was just awful. And the sad part is they somehow roped a lot of the original cast to make at least like little cameos in it. Only a couple of people um, are in it like for any real length of time. It's mostly like new people. Um, but yeah, like it just kind of feels like when some of the, the originals make cameos like it was either contractually obligated of them to do so <laughs> or like they owed favors to like the, the filmmakers or something. Cause like Justin Long does not look like he wants to be there. <laughs> and um, he seems like such an amenable person. Like he'd be like, yeah, I'll do whatever. It's fine. It's cool. 
well, I, and I think a lot of that has to do with just some of the arcs, yeah, if you could call it that, of the characters. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, without giving too much away, if anybody cares, this is not a good movie, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, this was, like, along the lines of S. Darko. Like, if you oh. even like the original for any stretch, like, just ignore the sequel completely. Um, like, you have the Andy Melanakis character, who's still, like, doing the whole, like, gangster rap like shtick oh no but his his other friend that was like his partner that was like an off-brand justin timberlake um he's like moved past that and he was like dude why are you still doing all that like this you know that's it it's lame it doesn't get us anywhere and so like throughout the movie andy melanakis eventually kind of like takes the dreads out of his hair or whatever that was that he had like those little you know his cornrows yeah and um <laughs> by the end of the movie you have the character from the first movie um i can't remember his name but he was the dude that played the detective in um in uh, pushing daisies and he was also um in let's go to prison he has a funny that. name it kind of it kind of sounds like cheech marin but that's not it um, <laughs> but anyway that guy uh so he makes a little cameo and he says what happened to you guys you guys had like your thing and now you're just like bland and so they're like, you know what? You're right. And so like their big arc was to go back to where they were at the end of the first movie <laughs> as opposed to like evolving and changing. So yeah, it was just, it had a little more nudity, but that just feels forced. Like it doesn't feel like integral to the plot. Was there um, nudity in the first one? I don't remember. Very this. little, very little, but the there was. ass, right? I remember no, the, so the Batwing was, and all that stuff, but we never see yes. those things in action, do we? No, yeah, you see, uh, you see testicles at one point. Okay, and then you see, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, this this one this one had more boobs, but and, and the whole point of it is because there's like a rival uh, restaurant chain that opened up next to Shenanigans called Tatas, and it's essentially uh. a hooter. So yeah, and uh, the guy that played Calvin in the first movie, the dude that was like. Uh, pulling a double for this girl that wouldn't even call him back and mm -hmm. you know he was like all obsessed over this chick that was like cheating on him so now he's like a total douche and like his whole storyline is that he started doing some of those um uh what do you call it the game where like you have the, the the whole peacocking attitude of like being a total dick to women and that somehow makes you more attractive oh uh, right. okay yeah, he's doing that basically. He's like the the manager of the Tatas, and he's totally chauvinistic. Uh, you know, super confident, dresses like a douche. Mm -hmm. um, but he gets his comeuppance because at the end of the movie, uh, it's it's basically scene for scene. The same thing happens to him that happened in the first movie, where some dude in the urinal like looks at his you know wiener while he's taking a piss, and that traumatizes him. And so it basically resets him to be the character that he was in the first movie again. So it's, it's I mean, basically a lot of that. It's a lot of like, well, we had some growth, but no, we're going to go back to where we started. I half like the idea of a person who changed so much reclaiming the things they that they liked in their <laughs> youth. But I don't know if that second part is how I want that. <laughs> the, like the Andy Milanakis idea sounded better. It's uh, yeah, it's it, it's not good. It's got a lot more like D list actors in it. Um, there's some people I recognize here and there that have had cameos in other things that were better, but no, overall, it's just like, why did this get made? Like, this, <laughs> this, it's, 
it's bad. Like it's 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 not so bad. It's good. It's just kind of like it's actually right down the middle. It's almost a complete flat line. And like <laughs> it, it would be good from like a juvenile standpoint. Like I think maybe eleven or twelve year old me would have thought this movie was great. But mm-hmm. I mean, it it has no real substance. So have you by any chance seen whatever it's called? I forget the name, but like SLC Punk, the Next Generation or whatever it's called. Oh, that's no. such a bad movie. It would you put would you put that on the same level as this? I think I had more enjoyment with uh, Still Waiting than I did with the SLC Punk <laughs> Two. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> if that, if that means was... if that means anything to you. <laughs> there, there was one sort of arc in the movie that I kind of liked only because they kind of play with the usual convention of it. You think it's going to go one way, but it goes another. So like, obviously at the Tatas place, one character's like, I can't believe I'm working here. Like, this is so demeaning, but you know, I need the money. And then you have another character that's like, oh, whatever, you get used to it. It's no big deal. Use your body to your advantage. But then that character has a run in with someone at the restaurant who's dressed, you know, essentially like she just got off of like stripping and she basically says that it's like oh yeah hey i used to work here this place was a lot of fun but then i was like yeah but i'll never take my clothes off for money and then i met someone here that like was a stripper and like they told me how much they made so i was like oh well i mean i'll only take off my top no bottoms and then so she quit the job there to go work at a strip club and then she said but then i found out how much they were making at the all nude place so then i started working there um and then and basically hinting at she's like one step away from doing porn or mm-hmm. becoming a straight up like prostitute. And so the waitress was kind of like getting kind of teary eyed, like, oh, my God, this is going to be me. Like, I can't do that. I need to quit this job and find something better. Um, so she goes to the to the manager, which is that one guy that's a douche now. And she says, you know what? I quit. I'm going to go work at that strip bar that that chick was telling me about. <laughs> Oh, I was like, oh, okay. No, I mean, honestly, to a certain degree, like, sex work is work. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, I didn't expect that to be the way that went for the movie. Right. Like, exactly. Like, for, for the purpose of the joke, it was just unexpected that it turned out to be, you know, playing with the convention. But mm-hmm. I, it, I found nothing of any real substance in this thing. I mean, some of the new characters were kind of agreeable, I want to say. But mm-hmm. it's the... <laughs> The, the the parts are not greater than the sum of the whole, and I would not recommend it. <laughs> okay, so oh, where wait, did you? Wait, did you oh, Mitch, I did, I did I did want to ask one other question here. Was Devin Sawa in this? Because this seems right in his alley. <laughs> I I don't think so. No, that's, no, okay. he's not. I, you know what? I was gonna look up the cast, and that's how little I cared about it. I just decided not to even pull up IMDb for it. <laughs> <laughs> that does say a whole lot, honestly. Yeah, because you, you love that the one, IMDb. Yeah, I do. That's, I spend <laughs> a lot of my free time on there, looking at random <laughs> trivia for no reason. Um, but you never know when it'll come useful. And uh, that one, I believe, was on Amazon Prime. And um, I also watched a few more episodes of Song Exploder because the last time I only really watched that one, but that was enough to get me interested. So I watched a few more. Um, I also watched the Lin-Manuel Miranda one, which was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Um, one of the things that I liked about that particular episode, and I'm glad Jess didn't focus too much on it, uh, was because, um, I mean, he also talks about getting into the headspace of the character, which is something that I didn't consider, you know, you would have to do, but it makes total sense in retrospect. 
Um, and he says, you know, cracking Aaron Burr, because that's the song Wait For It was all about, you know, basically yeah. Aaron Burr's like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And the way he breaks down the difference between their temperaments, where he says, mm-hmm. like, Alexander Hamilton is all about going for it. Get, you know, he's like, I'm going to like, not going to what take my shot or whatever that song was called. Yeah. Um, and um, so Aaron Burr's whole, like, I want to say, like, his thesis statement is... No, I'm going to sit back, let things play out, and yeah. then I'll strike when the moment's right. Mm, and yeah, like, you got the, I'm not throwing away my shot and then wait for it. Yeah. I'm not throwing and, away my shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, and him explaining how, like, he came to that realization, like, oh, like, Aaron Burr is this kind of person, you know? It was a really interesting anecdote that mm-hmm. Aaron Burr was, like, trying to get with this married woman. But he mm-hmm. flat out just like, as opposed to Hamilton, who will just do a married woman. Yeah. Like this guy, he waited for this woman's husband to die in the war. And <laughs> this guy's husband was actually fighting for the British. So yeah. it was kind of interesting how all that played out. I was like, oh, that is like playing the long con there for sure. And yeah. that was basically Burr's whole like motif. So I kind of like how he, he kind of used that to kind of build on him and, mm-hmm. and, and find the character. And also just how he wrote the song. He he was on a like one hour train ride to like a friend's house. Mm-hmm. And it just came to him and he started kind of just like saying words into like his iPhone. And he talks about how like to let to tell you how long ago this was, he had an iPhone and an iPod because the iPod could hold more music <laughs> at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so he was he he was listening to a beat on one device while like singing into another. So like <laughs> You know, only he could hear what he was doing. Like, you know, he was to the outside world. He was just like off key singing into his phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so I love that story. The story of how the song came out was like just as interesting as anything else about it. Got to the party, had a beer, said, all right, thanks. I'm leaving. Went back and and, like wrote the rest of the song on the way back home, apparently. Like it just cracked it. Like literally like the the structure Mm -hmm. and the melody was there. From yeah. that, that first little demo he did, like improvised, it was really awesome. It, and then they like, talk about the musicality of it too, how it was like built to be asymmetrical, and how that really pissed off a lot of the people like working on it. Like, dude, why? Why is this different? Why like, isn't that it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that one random, the run random key in the beginning or something. Like it yeah. repeats and then it does one random thing and then it never does it again which is really weird for musical based songs too i also liked the how they the other guy which i can't remember his name how he turned it into an ensemble because it's definitely one of the best ensembled ones Mm -hmm. of the songs in hamilton is all the echoing and background and seeing how he was like okay that's cool this is how we're gonna do it for a stage kind of thing and i thought that was neat to see how like lynn manuel couldn't see it on the stage until he took i can't remember the guy's name and he was on the show quite a lot too but yeah like his co-writers or musical yeah, directors and lynn was so happy with it that he was like shaking the guy like this is great this is, is awesome kind is of it the guy that plays burr no, no it was the uh, okay the, i don't know he turns the songs into the musical songs and oh, okay he ensembles the song so i get he's like the other songwriter basically like lynn will do the lyric and the actual melody kind of thing and then he mm. takes it and puts the parts and the orchestra and kind of thing from what i was understanding i need a person for that for any ideas that i have for story writing <laughs> i tell them the story and they just go okay cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, See, I just that. need someone to type for me. I could just <laughs> dictate it. It's, and that brings us to our sponsor, Dragon Naturally Speaking. Dragon Naturally Speaking helps you to be able to type faster in those times when you just can't pull yourself down to type. Didn't that used to be called Dragonfly? It, I remember at one point it was just called like Dragon, and they were like, yeah, it's not working. When people go to Google and they type in Dragon, they just get fucking dragons. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't Google bad dragon. Or do. <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> this is up to you guys out there. <laughs> Your proclivities. Don't know what yeah. it is. Not going to do it now. <laughs> I know what this one is. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's just I'll just say, you know, it's, it's open-mindedness. Um, but yeah, Jess also pointed out something in the conversation after the fact. That was like, oh yeah, they also point out how difficult it is to breathe during some of these lyrics. Yeah, yeah. it's just nonstop. Because I like that song so much, but I could never figure out where to breathe. So hearing him saying, when you breathe, I was like, oh, God, no wonder. And I was like, that's still a pain in the ass, though, Lynn. Like, <laughs> I was like, you have to have good cardio for some of those songs, really. Like, this just nonstop. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. you just and, you have to have um, lung capacity to be a singer. Yeah. That's true. And uh, there was one other thing that I really liked about that one. And now I can't remember what it was. But oh, yeah. So kind of in uh, in line with the whole ensemble and adding the chorus to the song, they also break down like how they structure it with the beat and how they added echo to the song and how the echo plays with the beat. But like during at some point during the song, as the song kind of gets to its crescendo, it starts to not match with the beat, which gives it a slight like disharmonic feel to it to like also it, get is it, 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 does it syncopate or is that is that what it's doing or uh yes but like it but the way that it's used it's to kind of like i guess the way the logic of the song is and the character it's to show you how like disassociated burr is with just mm -hmm. like the rest of the cast and the rest of the founding fathers and everything like he's he's the outlier to this whole thing in like so many different ways and so mm -hmm. it shows because the the music or the 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 lyrics, the way that the the echo plays, becomes like disharmonic in a way. Like it, it starts going like outside of the beat, and it's totally done on purpose. And how they break it up and show it to you was really interesting, really cool. <laughs> and like that's just one of those things where you don't really think about it when you're watching it, uh, but then when you see like an analysis like that, you're like, wow! Like it just gives you like a whole another level of appreciation for what they're doing. Yeah, and. Uh, Another one that I saw from there that I liked. I saw a few others. I think I finished the whole first season already. Um, Using My Religion was one that I thought I was going to really enjoy. And I did. It was really great. Like, <laughs> hearing everybody from R.E.M. talk about the song and how, like, you know, where they were before the song came out. And when, like, how that one just blew them up from, like, these indie college rockers to just worldwide superstars. And all of the different connotations that the song took. Like, it became appropriated by, like irish catholics and like they had a gregorian chant version of it which was really crazy sounding what? yeah check it out it what? looks like <laughs> it looks like the background monks from like mortal kombat 2 yeah decided to like <laughs> sing losing my religion like that's exactly how it looks and it sounds really spooky but it became basically an anthem for like so many people for so many different reasons. And that's one of the things they said they didn't expect, especially Michael Stipe, because he says he didn't really remember writing the song. He just um, that would, that speaks to the, the quality of the rhyming in this one. I'm not I, I like that song, but that makes sense. 
Yeah. No, yeah. He, he basically just tried to put words to the mandolin section because the guitar player. The, I love that whole story. Is basically he just he was so good at guitar he got bored with it. He just started playing with other instruments, mm-hmm. and like the mandolin was one that piqued his interest. And he says he just started fiddling with it. He just liked how like this little riff sounded, and then he said he realized later that it sounded like the score for a movie from like the seventies. And he's like, yeah, I hope they don't sue me. But yeah, it definitely feels like it was inspired by that. And yeah, you could tell that it's at the very least it's in the same key. Um, But but there's a little difference to it, you know. And um, it was like a David Bowie movie, I think it was from the 70s. It was a weird one. But um, the earth. uh, It may have been that one. I don't remember exactly. All I remember is the scene where somebody's being buried like up to their chest or something. It was weird. Mm. Um, but yeah, so he came up with that little mandolin section and then he showed it to like the other musicians and the bass players like, I don't know what to put to this. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do, like, how do you make something that's complimentary but not boring, you know? Because that's one of his things was like, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm engaged and, you know, if I like what I'm playing, then it makes it feel better or whatever. The drummer was immediately like, oh, that sounds interesting. So he came up with like, you know, his section for it and like... You hear other people talking about like, yeah, this dude's like a pretty crazy drummer to begin with. And like the beat that he put on this was just like, like who came up with this? This was like otherworldly, you know, because like, you know, I didn't really think about that. I'm not a drummer. I'm more of a guitar player. I'm into bass and stuff. But yeah, listening to them talk about the drum track and how he came up with the like really um, the place where he chose to put, I guess, some of the hits where where it would normally be like a hi-hat. It was something else. They were like, oh, yeah, like that's. You know, only he would have come up with that. That that's not mm. what your normal drummer would have done. You know, that kind of talk. And then yeah, so Michael Stipe basically got the full song essentially, and he was like, okay, well, you know, what does this make me think of? What is uh, what's what's gonna go here? It was basically like a stream of consciousness, uh, you know, writing session for that song. And I think he said he wrote it all in like one day, and mm. they recorded the song in one day. Like it, it was all done. And they sent it out, and the record company was like, "No, we're not going to play this like as a single," and because uh, it was also kind of long too. And um, they were like, "No, like this is the direction we want to go. Like this, like we're not going to do our regular stuff we were doing before. We're, you know, we're we're artists, you know, essentially." And so, yeah, that came out. It blew up. The video also gets a lot of props, although they don't focus too much on it. But I do like the video mainly because I really like the director. He hasn't mm-hmm. really made good movies, but they look really, really pretty. Um, Tarsim Singh, you may remember him from The Cell or The Fall mm-hmm. or uh, the one with Kavizel uh, that was like Greek inspired, but also wasn't very good. <laughs> I don't, has Jim Kavizel been in a lot of stuff? Since... Oh, wait, not Kavizel. Um, the other guy that plays Superman. What's his name? Brandon Routh? No, the newer one. Henry Cavill? Oh. The Witcher? Yeah, Cavill. That's who I meant. Yes. Cavill. Okay. Um, yeah, he did like a, a Greek inspired one a few years ago. Oh yeah. Was, that like, was Immortals. That that's the one. I was gonna say it wasn't the character from Clash of the Titans. That was Perseus. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one is called Theseus. I want to say something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. One of the Eases. <laughs> yeah. One of the Eases. Immortals, yeah. I think One of Zeus's bastards. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. He, he's known for making really, really pretty movies that don't really have a lot of substance to them. I love The Fall, but it's like most people are like, what is this? Like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is lame. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Song Exploder, also good. Gonna try to check out season two next. And uh, that is on Netflix. And uh, that is all. Okay. Mm. There you go. Was it, was it a re- was it a recent addition to Netflix? Um, well, it's on season two now, so it can't be too recent. I'm gonna say it's been on there for at least a year, but I just discovered it, and okay, like I said, it really was like, whoa! I used to listen to this podcast, and I joked around before how, like, yeah, now we need a songs that made us show to go along with the other <laughs> ones that they have, and this is essentially that. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot if you like music. Okay. Uh, so my week's watch, uh, the main one I want to talk about is a movie that I was very hesitant to, hesitant to watch um, when it came mm. out because I don't care for the main actor. Um, oh. It is The King of Staten Island. Movie came out. It's Judd Apatow movie written by Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson and stars Pete Davidson. I just don't care for Pete Dav- Davidson. But Did you come out the other end of the movie thinking differently? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm still, I, I don't know if I'm a Pete Davidson fan, but I think he did a great job and I think the movie is fucking amazing. Like, let me guess, you're, a, a you're an Ariana Grande fan. I am not an Ariana Grande fan. <laughs> you're a team, team, team Grande. No. Team Ari. <laughs> no, but if anybody has not watched this yet and gets a chance to, it is, it is a really good movie. It's, it's touching and it's, like the whole thing is is it could have gone the the way that most of these movies of hey I'm just a shiftless, you know, slacker that mooches off my parents and stuff like that and then eventually he gets his shit together and it doesn't go that way. Like not that he doesn't get his shit together or anything like that, but like it doesn't it doesn't feel the same formulaic way as as those mo- movies usually go. By the end of it he doesn't have this, you know, great uh, you know, six-figure job that he wears a suit to every day now, which is what they would normally do in that or something like that. But uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Bill Burr did a great job. He kind of plays uh, a somewhat antagonist to Pete Davidson just because he is dating Pete Davidson's mom in the movie, and <laughs> which is played by Marissa Torme. And okay. uh, it's just I, I don't know, like. The dialogue is great. The way that the he, Pete Davidson inter, interacts with um, uh, P, Bill Burr's kids in the movie—it's—it's it's a lot of fun and, and and touching. So you get to see a lot of. And I don't know if anybody, if everybody knows this or not, but Pete Davidson's father actually died in nine eleven because he was a firefighter, mm-hmm. first responder. And the movie. Have you is, seen anything with? If you've seen anything with Pete Davidson in it, like an interview, he brings it up like all the time. Right. And so much. <laughs> so the movie is about that. Like Pete Davidson's character's father is a firefighter that died in a hotel fire. And uh, he has not like stepped back into the firehouse since since then. He, he, he really does not care for firefighters. He goes on a whole rant about, uh, you know, them being completely selfish and 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 not thinking about their families and stuff like that but you know it, it's very touching the way that he he starts to interact with the firefighters that do um take him in so to speak mm. so and yeah. sorry jessica i didn't 
didn't think about talking about that beforehand, but uh, yeah. No, no, it's okay. But yeah, it's definitely a thing like where your father or mother, like the firefighter, they, they work these super long shifts, like 48 hour shifts. And so you don't get to see them all the time. And that, and it's a dangerous job. And you always know, like, there's a chance they don't come home. There's a chance they get hurt. You know, it's just one of those, it's really hard for kids. And then I don't know his age, but I imagine he was, well, he's like our, like my age, right? Like 30 ish. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like such a young age to lose a parent in such a tragic way. Like, actually, I think he's closer to like 25, mid 20s. Oh, yeah. So then, yeah, no, it's just, it would hold over him. But it's nice. I don't know. Now I really want to watch this movie, though, because I don't know. I feel like it's just a nice way to kind of deal with that. Like, it seems like he's being very open about his past traumas and yeah. stuff like that. What it's like to, like, I completely understand the, like, turning away from firefighters and thinking they're selfish. Like, I understand. I understand that, that thing. But, like. So, yeah. So. <laughs> no, like, like I said, like, honestly, go ahead, oh, Steven. Like I, I, I don't have that situation, but like as a person who watched I Am Sam, and got to very much like mesh with that character based on parental stuff, like I recommend the experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, I all I really had for Pete Davidson was was SNL and Wild and Out, and I just didn't care for his comedy or his delivery more more rapidly. But in this <laughs> movie, he I think he did a really good job and. Uh, I, I, I think Jessica hits it on the nail. He really leaves it all out there for you to, to see, like talking about his traumas and, and how, how it felt to, to live the or to grow up the way he did. So I recommend, I highly recommend this movie for everybody. And it's funny, like I'm making it sound very downer, but it is a very funny movie. Uh, the other movie I wanted to talk about, oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. Does Machine Gun Kelly make a cameo? He does. He plays a tattoo artist, <laughs> and Pete Davidson's character of Scott wants to be a pet tattoo artist, so he's going to apprentice under Machine Gun Kelly. But then, like, mm-hmm. it, he's only in it for maybe two minutes at tops, and Machine Gun Kelly's there just to basically um, put him down and put down his artistic skills and say, "Well, you're not good enough, and even if I took you on as an apprentice, like, you wouldn't be good enough." So I don't even think I want to take you on as an apprentice. So he just kicks him out of the other uh, shop harsh uh, yeah. you know i don't know why but i like that those two are actually friends in real life because like the thing about pete davidson because i've thought about this before is like i don't want to like him but there's something about him that's somewhat endearing and i think it's because he's kind of like just an open book he seems really open about everything um mm-hmm. you know he's he seems like well he might not be everyone's like preference for a comedy style or the things he jokes about or anything like that but he seems like he'd be the kind of person that would still be like a cool dude in real life in spite of everything bad that's happened to him he'd still be like very affable and like that's why like like i give him a pass in some ways because of that and it turns out he's actually is kind of funny like i like his sense of humor too so that's kind of interesting. I would definitely been on my radar. I'm glad it's free now, so I can actually check it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, for for Pete Davidson, like I I like him on SNL, but I wouldn't have him over at my house. I feel like he would like steal a keychain or something. Like I don't know. I've just always like I still like him, but yeah. Also Pete. <laughs> <laughs> like he'd apologize afterwards, but still. And that's no, kind of how this movie goes it, it too. Would, it, it, <laughs> 
but it would be for like a greater cause. Like you only see like the little offense, but you don't realize that that's because there was like a homeless child who like, <laughs> you know, like that would make his world as if he had this little keychain of like a power you know, ranger, like a Tesla car or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other movie I want to talk about real quick, I'm, I'm sure none of you have seen. John might have heard of and might have known the podcast, People That Made It. Uh, it's a film made by the National Film Society, which I've never heard of this podcast before, these people. Uh, it's called Awesome Asian Bad Guys. It is about 50 oh. minutes and it is on YouTube. And it, I mean, it's shot really well and it's got a lot of cameos of... Uh, uh, Bad people, awesome who, actors who've played bad guys in Asian actors that have played bad guys in movies, uh, specifically Al Leong, uh, which you'll know from Die Hard and Big Trouble Little China and uh, oh, yeah. a couple other things, a, a bunch of other things. Like uh, I was gonna say, a couple. <laughs> uh, uh, well, he the, was also in Lethal Weapon. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then they, they have uh, the guy, the actor who played Chosen in Karate Kid Part 2. They have nice. the actress who, or they have Tamlin who played uh, Mariko in, in Karate Kid Part 2. They have uh, John Chung, who is the bad guy in Ra- uh, Rambo 2, I believe, who gets blown up by the, the exploding arrow. So do you know this movie, nice. Steven? What? Do you know this movie? No, I, I, I've, I've heard about it. I've heard it get talked about, but I didn't watch this. Okay. And John, did you? I This is the first I'm hearing about it. And how has this not crossed my radar before? This sounds <laughs> awesome. And Jess? No. No. Never heard of it. <laughs> Probably wouldn't cross oh, my is, radar, but it sounds cool. <laughs> is, is Lopan in this? Lopan has to be in this. Yeah, that's who I was going to ask about. He's not Aww. in it. And even Tamlin, who's trying, who's basically putting the team together, like who goes and gets the two podcasters from the National Film Society to put the team together because they know movies. Like she's like, "Where's James? Hon- uh, James Hong? Where's uh, you know everybody else?" And he's like, "Yeah, we couldn't get them." <laughs> so it's very tongue in cheek. He's probably too busy. Like the guy stays working. He does. He absolutely does. Like what was it? I was just watching that he was in. It was his voice. Oh, he's in the Batman Soul of the Dragon movie that came out. Um, mm. Animated movie. But uh, this is it's on YouTube right now, so you can go watch it there. But I wanted the one one of the people that is actually in it because even though he's not a and this is 2014 when this came out. Uh, he's he he never played uh, an Asian bad guy, nor was he in that many movies at this point. But it's Randall Park. Randall Park is in the movie, so that <laughs> oh. takes us right into Wandavision. Nice. <laughs> Wandavision episode four, as I've been corrected. We interrupt your program. <laughs> we'll drop in uh, Elizabeth's audio right here. It was it was it was weird because. The entire episode felt like a five-minute recap. Uh, it was good to see some of the characters that we anticipated seeing, or at least you did. I have no idea what I'm doing, so I didn't anticipate anything. Uh, it was. It felt very good to be able to connect uh, Geraldine, now we know his name's Monica, to the Captain Marvel movie. And soared to that. So now it makes a little more sense in my brain as to who the heck sword is and why they exist and 
all of those good things. So that kind of big picture loop back was very much appreciated. Although I was a little disappointed that we didn't move the story forward at all. We just basically got the other side of the coin, which was just kind of, it. disappointing is not the right word. It was, it left me feeling incomplete in the episode. I expected to get at least a little bit more going forward. So, but I'll be interested to see what they do with the 1980s then, I assume, next week. But those are kind of just what I had in mind off the top of the bat. That's a very thanks good for that, point. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, thanks for yeah, that, Elizabeth. That's a very that. good point. <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> I didn't expect her to say the things that she said about that. Like, <laughs> It was really specific for her to like focus on the drone so much. It's so much <laughs> cursing. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, John, it is an aptly titled episode because it is an episode merely that takes us away from the regular programming of WandaVision so far and mm-hmm. catches us up on what's going on in the outside world outside of Westview. So I just want to say this. I was not... Basically, when the end of the episode came, I was very, like surprised because i kept thinking this mm-hmm. oh this is just leading up this is just the the you know this is just going to the recap the recap stuff and now we're getting into the episode and then she goes let's see what we can watch on tv tonight and i'm like no <laughs> uh what did everybody now, else think of the episode in the I... parlance of our times this episode was fire Ooh. <laughs> yeah. from was... the moment it started when we see what's going on i was like Oh, yes, I am so in. This is good. Yeah, I was really glad that John warned us, like, that Disney had an ad, I guess, that sort of ruined the episode, which I saw after I saw the episode, thankfully, because I basically avoided Twitter. It still still ruins so much that's coming. It does, because when Darcy came on the screen, I was like, it's my girl. I loved her in Thor. I loved her. And I was like, ah! It's like literally paused it. She just threw a finger. For anyone who can't see this right now, she threw a finger gun. She straight up like, yeah! (laughs) Which is also something Darcy would do. Like, Makes complete sense. Like, oh, I love her character so much, and I've always wanted so much more from her. And I was so glad. I was like, this is the perfect show to put her in. And then when it showed that screen that she's the one taking the notes on it, I was like, oh, it makes so much sense the whole time. It makes so much sense. And it it threw out all my theories out the window, but I was still like, oh, thank gosh, because I hate being right. So I'm like, this is great. Like, this is just. (laughs) I was so happy with this episode. So happy. I loved so I loved the happy. the correction of hers. It's it's doctor. Like uh, I forget what her last name is, but when she corrected <laughs> to be dark, I was like, "Wait. Oh my goodness, Thor the Dark World was so long ago. She would have got, gotten her doctorate by now. That is incredible." Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, that was good. And the coffee thing, like can somebody get a girl a coffee? <laughs> yeah, like she's like, "You guys look like you'd get down with those little pods." Yeah. <laughs> Very bad for the environment. Just... For the environment. <laughs> yeah. Or that she she when she lifts up that uh, vector scope and she's like no no I got it don't <laughs> yeah and he no he never moves even nope. a little bit uh-uh. to help her <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I need a TV an old one yeah yeah Which, not flat 
I was surprised that they could find something like that. Well, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like the close, well, they probably went to Eastview. So that was a question I was going to ask. Does that guy just not, did, did Wanda erase the memories of Westview or do all those signs never existed before this moment in time? I think she's erasing them from people. I think she's erasing it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for this one, I am so glad to have this podcast on like for for multiple reasons, but (laughs) this is a record that I have been sticking with what this has ended up being throughout in my theorizing. And I am so happy (laughs) because there have been so many crazy, like balls to the wall kind of theories on the internet. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, it's Wanda. It's just Wanda. It's just her. <laughs> have you seen? Uh, have you seen the? Well, we'll we'll get to that later. But that's more about theorizing. But uh, I want to jump real quick to my two favorite things about the episode, and then mm-hmm. we can extrapolate from there. Do you want to jump I, rope to there? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to bring that up. I really like that little detail. Um, the devil's in the details, and that quote apparently means a lot from one of the previous episodes. So, uh, first off. How fucking awesome is that we get to see the the canceling of the blip as the beginning of this episode? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that freaked just starts me coming out. Back. Yep. Because I, yeah. I was like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "Oh, it's the blip. Like it's the not blip blip." And I was like, <laughs> "And you didn't get to see it that they actually came back as Ash. Like, mm-hmm. well, they came back as like, which makes sense, but like it was even creepier to see it." Yeah, they I was like oh. they rematerialized like back where they were. And you get to see a little bit of that in, like, Spider-Man Far From Home. But, like, there it's done for comedic purposes. Like, the marching band, like, reappears in the middle of a basketball game. Yeah. Here it's, like, straight-up horror. Like, what the hell is happening? You know, like... I know. In a hospital. Are, yeah. And, like, all the chaos that ensues. And it's it's great because it's all, you know, like, very practical, very low-budget. Like, you don't have to spend a lot of money, even though, except for, the, obviously, the materialization stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's all contained, and yet you still get the perfect feeling of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we I get the reveal we... of who Geraldine is. Yeah, we get the reveal of Ger- I, I mean, I still say we need to see a scene of what happens to people that were on an airplane when they first blipped out. Like, <laughs> how did they reach <laughs> I assume no, they and they're not going to be in outer like in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I, 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 that. I, that. No, I, no, I I agree. I agree with John on this one because if we if we were to take that to a further uh like to further that one, then the planet would have to be the in the exact same location yeah. like XYZ yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Otherwise people would just materialize like middle of space. <laughs> I think <laughs> it gets fair. you probably as close as you were. To how you were, probably However, I I assume so. Probably would put you on the ground. I would. I, don't I, know. I would. Yeah, I was gonna say I would hope they would that the plane passengers would be put on the, pl- the ground because if they were just put into a random plane and you know with uh, extra <laughs> weight, someone's lap like, or extra weight on a plane <laughs> would not be a good thing either. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be some horror stories about some of the people like. You know, what if somebody was a fetus at the time that this happened? Ooh. And, uh, you know, they oh, rematerialized inside somebody. And what if that person was already pregnant with their se- another child? Now, okay, we're sudden, not getting into twins. the body horror now. Okay, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I do, however, John, I agree with you very much that that's the kind of thing that I want to be seen explored in other things. I have so many ideas for this kind of thing. 
I mean, and, and there could be some pretty like messed up ones too. Like, what if somebody's like husband rematerializes in the bedroom in bed while the wife, former wife is now with someone else, and he was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Like, that could be some pretty traumatic stuff. So nah. you know, yeah, this it's the blip caused a lot of issues that we're not seeing. Is all I'm saying. This is true. Yeah, I, that kind of thing. Like, I was thinking um, specifically be as a product of this show. Um, and seeing people rematerialize in this way because I still haven't seen Far From Home, so I didn't know we'd already seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh-huh. I was thinking we've never Wait, seen the like public announcement that would have to go out on TV networks and stuff, probably from one of the Avengers that would address the fact that this was caused by Thanos and explain this, like the kind of like like hat in hands kind of moment that we see in like a Godzilla movie, where the public officials have to like apologize for like for having botched their response to Godzilla throwing nukes at him and now he's pissed, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like we've never seen that kind of moment with like Cap going up and talking about this or anything like that. Well, it wouldn't be Cap because he would be fair. old old man Cap. But it would you would imagine yeah. it would probably happen at the same time that they did the announcement that Iron Man was dead. Because as we see in Far From Home, everybody knows that Iron Man is dead. Like it's a big thing. So I would assume mm-hmm. whoever the Secretary of Defense is for the United States at that point would come up and say I mean, that at, at the moment of the snap. No, I understand at the moment. Well, well, I mean they. I don't know if anybody would come up at the moment of the snap to well, like after after that one, right? So I mean, like, the, you, you're talking about the second snap, right? Or are you talking about the first snap? The first. The oh, first. yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I would say there had to have been something where people do understand like how big the world actually is now because of the reactions of the people when they did get unblipped and all the people that clearly hadn't been blipped. They kind of just sort of went, "Oh, you guys are back!" Like. <laughs> cool yeah. like they did it kind of, however kind of thing like the doctor that maria talks to doesn't seem to really I mean, why not just be like hey wait calm down you were gone for five years like why not say that immediately i feel like I that death, I, like to me it felt like somebody that already went through some trauma like when you see the world in the beginning of what is not the infinity war that went Endgame? after end game you just see a world that's depressed mm-hmm. that kind of thing because, I mean, half the population disappeared. So everybody lost somebody kind yeah. of thing at the same time and in a way that you have no idea what the hell is happening. And also at the same time, although you kind of got hints that there are aliens from the worlds with what happened in New York, like this is like, no, somebody can straight up take away half the population with a finger snap, like out of nowhere kind of thing with no warning whatsoever because the things that happen in Infinity War happen in less than a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I want to see? That's traumatizing. Yeah, no. Before I, before I forget this random stupid thought I just had. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see, like, if they had, like, little little kernels of, like, oh, you know, what happened during the blip after whatever. What if they have, a, like, they cut to a scene of, like, some, like, Amish people and you know, half of them disappear, and the other half of like they've been raptured, like oh no, we're, we're left behind, you know, like something like that, because they would have no clue what's actually going on and watch the oh, news yeah. to get the information. So if, if this if this were a show in the '90s, they would have spent a good chunk of episodes exploring the religious cults that would pop up based around this idea. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. I would all be for that. But yeah, to finish what I was saying, it kind of sort of makes sense that she's not even like, oh, calm down. Like, this is, she's just like, yeah. 
So, yeah, your mom's dead, by the way. The cancer came I, back. Like, I was watching this sucks. with with I was watching this with Naima last night, and one of the things um, that she took away from the dialogue that happens between uh, Maria and the doctor was that the doctor starts off things by saying, "Where did you go?" And so um, she kind of took it as like this, like yeah. like the doctor was like like possibly um, like confused about like where did you go? Why are you here now? Not in the way that it was like, where have you been since you got dusted? But like, I was just looking over there and then you were gone almost, you know? Um, so like, I, I really like the idea that this person who's been through so much being an ER doctor, apparently, um, you don't necessarily get lost in like the emotions of the moment if you're like steeped in yep. being a freaking ER doctor. Mm-hmm. So she went for like facts from this person. If this person who you know verifiably was dusted uh, now is there suddenly you ask them yeah like did you have any experience in this time that you were gone and then it, like it's it like immediately uh maria like make sure or monica uh, she, she says thank you i knew i said the wrong name uh monica makes it clear like yeah i, I don't know anything and so the doctor just is in like triage mode for that situation yeah. even and moves immediately past it to everything else i thought that was fantastic mm-hmm. So, yes, we got the reveal that Geraldine is actually Monica Rambeau, the daughter of Thank Maria you. Rambeau. Thank you, Mitch, for saying it with that emphasis. Because everyone in the show is going around basically saying, hey, have you seen that movie Star Wars the whole time? And saying Rambo instead of Rambo, which is what that fucking last name is. Everyone is just going around saying Star Wars? <laughs> pisses me right the fuck off. <laughs> Okay, so Steven is heated. <laughs> uh, the daughter of Maria Rambo, and uh, the, who was the friend, the best friend of Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel. We know that Maria went the same way as Peggy Carter in creating Sword. Peggy Carter created, helped create Shield. Maria Rambo created Sword. Uh, and in this world, the TV world, Sword stands for Sentient Weapon Observation. Re- and research division response division sorry mm-hmm. uh whereas in the comic books it's sentient world so the whole point of Would, of uh sword was to observe uh alien worlds and make sure they didn't come to attack us this is all about uh sentient weapons i did like mm-hmm. that they did mention space in her like one of her first conversations about the group though so i was like okay now still in there still in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so in in the time that Monica has been gone, because she is also an agent of Sword, uh, her mother put in a stipulation that if anybody comes back from the dusting, the blip, that they have to uh, basically do easier missions before they're allowed to go on go out in the field for bigger missions. Yeah. Do do you, now on on like we're going. We're going to talk about this stuff a lot, I'm sure. But do you guys freeze frame on all of the people dossiers and then on the whiteboard as well? I did not. I did read about one of the things on the whiteboard says something about scrolls. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on the left on the left side of the the whiteboard in like the scene where they have most of the stuff written on there. The S is cut off, but like crawls, it's scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the 1980s movie. They just really like it. Oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> it's <just> about it. <laughs> Good cover art, though. But yeah, I know. So, do you think it's in response to her direct experience with the scrolls? Like she's assuming if there's someone who gets brought back, it's got to be a scroll or possibly a scroll because if someone's gone, they are gone. Like she's yes. dealing with her loss in that intense way. What's a scroll? Uh, did, you watch, did you watch Captain Marvel? I oh oh yeah. The green cool. guys. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, the cool. See, this is why I don't pause and freeze frame because I'm not gonna remember <laughs> what's important or not. So, was there anything important on the dossiers? No, it's just episode summaries, basically. <laughs> we read, we read it. Like I paused on all of them, and they're all so stupid. It's like it's like oh no, yeah, like this character would have thought like that they're married to this person, and they're kind of demure or things like that. They're just episode summaries. This person was impressed by Vision's magic trick. <laughs> uh, so I, the FBI agent that Monica runs into, or is partnered with is agent Wu, who we know from uh ant-man and ant-man the, or ant-man the wasp more to speak uh more specifically and he gets and he his, little, his card trick finally. He, i was gonna say he learned the card <laughs> the sleight of hand card trick that <laughs> that he was he was uh training to do do you think that he was also blipped no i, I think he i think they're setting him up to be kind of like this person who's been there and gets to kind of fill stuff in because it's weird they send him that far away from exactly. where he was if he's an agent mm-hmm. in san francisco there's honestly no real reason for him to be in uh new jersey unless he's moved up in the company or up in the agency mm-hmm. yeah. so that he's higher up i have a theory okay mm-hmm. because he says that the it's like a missing persons situation because of somebody that's in the witness protection program it seems like they're implying that um that it's Ant-Man that got moved to this place in New Jersey under the witness protection because that's that's who he has the most direct contact with and that could be the only real reason I can think of as to why he mentions that he was in what San Santa Barbara or something somewhere in California okay. Oakland and that he just got sent over here because of a missing person uh, from the witness protection and now it's the whole town that's like the missing person See, and I so, would I would say that the the reason why they would do that because if the whole town has gone missing, that sounds like a giant skyscraper that has been shrunk down, kind of thing. So maybe they're like, oh, maybe the city uh, got shrunk down, and the person who has the most direct contact with something like that would be Agent Wu. It's a pim prank going. Yeah, on. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you just got pimmed. <laughs> <laughs> But essentially, we are bringing in three characters from three different Marvel properties uh, or MCU properties into this mm-hmm. one new project of uh, Agent Wu, Darcy, and uh, Monica Rambeau. So as it's all being pulled together, we get to fill in the blanks of who it was that was calling in the radio, which we now know was Randall Park or Agent Wu. John had it. Which was one of our theories, right? Was that it was him? I believe it was later. John. Yeah, John said that. Is yeah, that John what you nailed said? that one. Yeah, John called mm-hmm. that one. Uh, with the help of Darcy, who figured out that using a radio antenna, she would be able to beam a signal in because signals are coming out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Geraldine was 
uh, Monica, and we know that. Like, so how do you think the episodes work? To me, it kind of seemed like the one, like, and the the first episode was kind of on repeat for a little bit, and then they yeah. eventually got to the second episode, which was then on repeat, and then the third episode. So wait, then we know that they get over a hundred episodes because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, maybe it's like because I imagine I don't know Wanda's powers. I know she's all powerful and stuff, but I imagine to hold up an illusion that strong, you gotta sleep a lot, kind of thing. So maybe like the signals repeat while she's like resting to be mm. able to make the next episode in a way. Because I was also getting that like it seemed like more time was passing than what was passing in the episodes that are like one right after the other when you watch them like a three hour block it seems like when you watch the original episodes but i feel like for them it is just repeating and that's how they're getting the dossier mm-hmm. until oh now we're in the 60s and oh now mm-hmm. we're in the 70s kind of thing and so i like I've, that they I've, call out when those changes yeah. happen yeah i feel like <laughs> wanda has to rest in order to keep up the illusion kind of thing like there's no way she can just stay up and yeah, that, that's I think, what I assume. Yeah. It has to be that they were on repeat because even mm-hmm. uh, Wu says like between the point where Geraldine, or I'm sorry, when Monica gets sucked in and when Darcy gets there, he's like, it's been less than a day, and it's like yeah. they set up all that stuff in less than a day. That's 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 impressive for that's what they do. I mean, sure, as someone who kind of works for the government, work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but it they also like Darcy is watching the first episode that we saw as mm-hmm. well as the you know eventually the second episode so mm-hmm. it all I don't know the timeline seems weird to me but I think we're not really supposed to be focusing on that too much that's yeah. just me I, I really do like the fact that if this wasn't tied to something where we already knew it was gonna get it was going to go sideways and be so weird. The fact that the first few episodes of it are the things that they're watching in the show. Plus like we obviously see inside of the glitch changes that she does. We've Mm -hmm. seen more in there, but not all of it. That's also interesting. Um, But the fact that those episodes happen in the show and that's what they're seeing would be the coolest freaking thing. Like Mm -hmm. if we didn't already know this, that would have been incredible. Like that's that's like the end of Bioshock, where you learn the key phrase that's been making you do stuff. Like that's wonderful. I, I I do very much like that we've been watching what they saw, and they don't see the parts that we've seen right. where something gets reset. You right. know, but then there's yeah. even more than that as we see in this episode that wasn't even in what we, we saw. saw of the version of this. There's so much more in her conversation with Monica and. Mm-hmm. What else does that leave that's been in there so much more? Uh, I'm th- this is very well crafted, guys. <laughs> like, I I don't th- the show was supposed to be good and everything, but this is better than I expected. And, and for it to come in the fourth episode, like, I, th- I definitely feel like this has recharged a lot of people that were starting to fall off. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now they see the bigger picture and see what's actually going on. There were people who legitimately thought the whole thing was going to be just like these I Love Lucy, like, poops or something. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, no, that's this is the setup. Like, this is definitely <laughs> like it, it felt like a full on Marvel movie when like this one kicks off, mm-hmm. which which was like. 
I honestly hate it when movies change with the aspect ratio right in the middle, but I love <laughs> oh, that no. how they do that tradi- transition in it this. Like so smooth. Yeah. And that was another one when they kept doing it. I'd be like, Mom, this looks so good. I was like, <laughs> the aspect ratio change is just like scene shift. Now you're here. Scene shift. Like, oh, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is so great. I did also like ask my mom at the end of the episode too, because she doesn't. Like she's only watched the Avenger movies and stuff, you know, like all those. And but she doesn't know anything about Wanda's powers or anything. So I asked her, I was like, "Is this followable for you? Like, are you enjoying this? Do you kind of understand like what you're supposed to understand?" And she's like, "No, oh, yeah, I get it." I'm like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> because <laughs> like, I knew a bit of the comics at least, so I was prepared. I was kind of hoping it wasn't all just Wanda, but I was like prepared for that kind of mm. thing to be. So, but yeah, she says she can follow it just fine, and she is enjoying it too so what do we think happened to the man who ended up going from the containment suit to the beekeeper suit because we see monica got yeeted out of the place uh but then that person what happened to them they're just dead now right <laughs> he might be maybe dead. they were assimilated he might yeah that, honestly, he might that be more, yeah that's what I, that's what i was thinking too is that he might be somewhere in westview just walking around trying waiting for his role to come up his quote-unquote yeah. role um but yeah the other the other option is he's just stuck underground he's stuck in in the sewer sewer line just waiting for something to happen because which was interesting like now we know uh it, no nothing to do with aim uh, it's just his rectal suit got turned into a beekeeper suit because that makes more sense in 1960s uh, television to have a beekeeper suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything that enters in gets changed to time period accurate stuff as the drone, which already weirdly looks like a helicopter, a toy helicopter. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. yeah why why, not why did it, it look like a regular regular drone? And then... Yeah. Because then it looks like a toy. So people don't question it as much. It looked more like a toy as the helicopter to me. <laughs> well, yeah, but I feel like from afar, you'd be like, oh, it's just a kid's toy. Yeah. Like from like, afar. Whereas like, was... a drone from afar, you're like, that's a drone. Why is it spying on me? When they made it into like a, like a helicopter, I was like, okay, no, that's the drone. But then also thinking about it, there's a reason they, they make drones like quadcopters and stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's maneuverability. A helicopter, like even the helicopters we use to get around are bad at that. Yes. They're not. We put people in those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, we do see that that got turned into a toy and, uh, uh, his, as you guys st- stated earlier with the jump rope reference, the, his connection got turned into one of those plastic jump ropes that we all used as kids. God, and- I hate those things. <laughs> it hurts so much. They do. They make just- weapons. <laughs> it does carry interesting implications because um, I don't know if this, well, it only se- we've only seen it happen now where something was changed when it was inside that field and then pulled back out. Mm-hmm. Um, it maintained that change. Right. Just but like, we've only seen that happen with um, like inanimate matter so far. Well, well, yeah. Monica, well, Monica got her memories back when she outfit, got to. Yeah, yeah she's so she was still in her but, outfit. So for for her, like she's not changed. It's only the it's only like the dressing right. on her. You know what I mean? Right. It's yeah. not like in the thing she like got a hand cut off and she comes out and she's still missing the hand or something else. You know. Um. But like, I'm so curious to see how that plays out. And there's one thing that was further in that one trailer that I think has far reaching implications uh, that had spoilers for that episode that says a lot about 
what how that can go going forward. You don't you don't want to bring it up right now? No. Okay. <laughs> if anyone hasn't watched that trailer, don't watch that damn trailer. <laughs> um, we also saw that the different agencies that are working on this uh, issue are managing to identify all the different roles or actors that are in uh, the 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 world the town of Westview. Um, we got the the hearts. We got the guy with the mustache. We got Herb from next door. Uh, mm-hmm. All of them all have New Jersey license, but they never they don't make a point to point out that they're are they from the town of Westview? Or are they from some other town in New Jersey? They just say new you know they just say this person is from the, is is this person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think they're all from interestingly. There, yeah, they're all from Westview. Okay. From what I was understanding. Yeah. Interestingly, Agnes did not have any sort of ID or alternate personality outside of there. Uh, Neither did Uh Emma Caulfield's character. Yeah, Dottie. Dottie, that's right. Uh, I think uh, it's also interesting because Darcy is the one that pointed out that someone is editing the feed before it comes out of Westview. So... I still think that there's still going to be another person that's manipulating Wanda into okay. Mojo into believing yeah, Mojo or Arcade or uh, someone. If else. it was Mojo, that would be fucking nuts. <laughs> yep, he's Not- creepy as shit. Don't look him up, Jess. Don't yeah. look him up. Don't look- yeah. Oh no. Or you can look up his redesign. He's that's like a weird redesign of his character. But <laughs> all I all I hear though when you guys say Mojo is. It might be Mojo him too. Was like a, Mojo, Mojo was like a Jabba the Hutt mixed with like a, Darth like Maul after he got his of? bottom cut off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also that, that would bring in Spiral though, who's one of my favorite X-Men characters of all time. That 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 would be interesting. That that could be Emma Caulfield's so character. Happy. That could be Spiral. Oh, she could be Spiral. You know, we should have a we should have an <laughs> X-Men horror movie with the brood. I mean, that would be pretty good, too. Yeah. This no, is fair. I, I wanted to bring up the really awesome scene that genuinely creeped me out a little bit. Yes, please um, do. So, yeah. So, during the scene where we start to see what actually happened with Geraldine, a.k.a. Uh, Rambo. Rambo? <laughs> was it? Rambo. Or was it Rambo. Rambo. <laughs> or if you really want to say a French, Rambo. So, Rambo. Uh, <laughs> Rambo. <laughs> So, yeah, she gets literally yeeted out of there. How she survives smashing through, like, three levels of, like, structure. I mean, maybe the the power protected her, created, like, a force bubble. But, uh, yeah, so she got yeeted out. Wanda then quickly, like, reintegrated the the environment. She Mm. seemed a little surprised at her powers. Or, like, oh, wow, like, I'm doing this kind of situation. Like, she definitely went out of character after the whole mention of Ultron and all of that happened. So then Vision comes in, and we see a little bit more of how that scene fleshed out. Uh-huh. And holy shit, what the hell? <laughs> that yeah. scared me. I she, almost screamed. I was like, oh, shit. Is she animating his dead corpse around? That was is my thing. I, I asked her, I was like, is she just like moving around his dead body? Like, holy the, crap. Because like, that, that was my thought for this one. And that played into the whole idea that we've only seen things that she like um that were inanimate matter that she had manipulated and changed in this way the only thing for that is that she um his body isn't changed 
his forehead is still intact when he's the other version. When we've seen her move stuff, like she could reshape his face at least. Um, and then the other part of that is that we've seen him do things that would be outside of what she would want to happen. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, mm. exactly. When he started questioning her and, and asking what was going on in the last episode. So mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah, that would definitely be, and you know, it, it could it, it could be either way. Like it, there are a lot of things that could be happening with Vision, which brings me to one of the questions could, that I had. What? Go ahead. Could he be in her mind? Like because she was the one who, before Thanos, like reversed it. She's the one who pulled him away from the life, whatever stone it is he had, right? Yeah. So could her powers pulling him away be her pulling him in her head, like? I- like a two soul in one body kind of thing. I honestly think it's a very good possibility. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a it's a search for Spock situation. Like he's still <laughs> out there somewhere. He's dead, Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the point when Darcy is watching the the show for the for, or not for the first time, but when during that briefing and Agent Wu comes over to walk over and look at it, he sees, um, uh, Vision, but he's in the Paul Bettany looking flesh suit but he immediately realizes that that's vision like i didn't that's the part that kind of confused me like i was like how would he know what i mean did he just pick it up from the voice or voice wanda (laughs) like i guess that's true wanda but he was walking around like that in infinity war I don't think he ever and, gave and himself the paul bettany face he just he was wearing regular clothes but he would still keep his no, I I swore he looked, like, War, he looked like an In Infinity War he looked like how That's he right. looks the at actor. The, at so I imagine he's being watched so they know what his human self looks like. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah, I, I, I completely oh, forgot that at the the part where the the kids, Thanos' kids attack attack them in the in the middle of the mm-hmm. street. So all right. Yeah, when yeah. they're like in Ireland or something. Yeah, I I do also only remember that because they have that Marvel Legends thing. That no. basically gives you like a seven minutes on this is what has happened to Wanda all throughout the Avengers kind of. And so that's how I remembered it was like, oh, no, he did look like a human in the. Did, I didn't, did they post a new one of those yeah. since they've started rolling them out? Did they post a new one? No, it's still two. just Wanda and Vision. So just okay. two, so they're probably waiting till the next whatever comes out, which I believe yeah. is going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier in March. I, I just think, want yeah. I want the um, the Doctor Strange one first, please. <laughs> it's gonna be a while, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Love, uh, Love and Thunder did start filming this week. Yay. That's right, Ooh, Love and Thunder did start filming. Uh, okay, is there any other part of the sh- the episode that anybody would like to go over? Mm, I don't. Anything from Reddit, John? Have you have you gone to the Reddit page forum? Okay, so uh, yes. So, um, people have been saying on Reddit and on YouTube, there are several uh, Easter egg channels that have been trying to point out like all these little things that they find. Um, apparently, the first three episodes were all entirely like concentrated on Agnes essentially guiding Wanda towards having children. Mm-hmm. In the very first mm-hmm. episode, she's showing her like that Cosmo uh, article of like how to seduce your man and then the whole thing about like them joining the beds together and getting under the sheets 
um, the second episode had all of the talk about for the children, like everything is for the children, uh, being repeated over and over again like a mantra. Um, and uh, there's a part where Dottie says uh, to one of the other ladies at the thing, says, and remember, the devil's in the details. And Agnes kind of leans over to Wanda and says, that's not all he's in. Mm. And kind of gives like a wink and is like, uh, okay, you know, <laughs> kind of a weird throwaway line there. Um, and then, of course, in the third episode, she actually has the kids. Um, so it seems like everything, uh, especially with uh, Agnes. Um, and Agnes is also the one that tips off Vision, obviously, in the last episode of like, hey, she shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for whatever reason, um, obviously, she seems to be aware of the situation a bit more than other characters or other people. Because she then turns to Herb when Herb starts saying stuff and kind of has like a scared look on her face. Like, don't say what you're about to say. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's the thing with Herb just kind of cutting through the wall. Um, essentially, it's, a, it's, it's they're saying it's the insinuation that uh, some of the characters are trying to break the fourth wall. But that could yeah. be a stretch. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's implications that uh, Agnes knows a lot more than she's letting on. It might be one of the uh, driving factors about what's going on. There's also a little bit of a spoiler potentially with an upcoming episode with how she's dressed in like uh, there's like a Halloween thing going on. They're saying, oh, the way she's dressed in this little like preview could be given away like her overall greater role in the situation because you know Wanda's dressed up like her comic book version like the classic uh, red with the little like headpiece and mm-hmm. Vision literally looks like the comic book Vision like with the <clears throat> cheesy uh-huh. green and yellow colors um, so Agnes is dressed up a certain way and they're like oh this could be also hinting about someone who she could actually be and who she's working for and, oh I think, uh, right. I think she's, I've she's actually caught this rumor yeah no, no, Sorry. Go ahead. You're, no you're gonna uh, say more. I'm gonna make a joke, so <laughs> Oh, okay. No, I thought I heard that she's the Yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to give it away because it could be a spoiler, but Yeah, I heard probably she was not. That, yeah. That witchy character. I yeah. thought I heard. Yeah. Which even was even a Marvel character that I had heard about before too. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So if you got John, is is there another one that you have for this? Because if there's not, I think we could talk about that potential spoiler thing, and then I could bring up what was in that trailer. Uh, well, there's a few other things not related directly to that, but some of the Easter eggs or, or potential hints that they're throwing at us. Uh, one of them was the Strucker watch. The time that it has displayed is two forty two. And I think I mentioned this in a previous conversation we had off podcasting, where it could be a reference to, I think it was Avengers 242, mm-hmm. where its uh, vision is introducing the idea of another major character that would be like Thanos level or more. Um, and it could be hinting at where it's going. And the reason why that really stuck out was because anytime you see a watch in most media as like an advertisement, especially as an advertisement, it's always set to two uh, to ten, no, to two ten, mm-hmm. because the big hand would be on the ten, the little hand would be on the two, and it doesn't obstruct the logo. It's very, very unusual to see a watch with any other time in an advertisement. So this, the fact that this one was specifically 2.42, if you look at that specific episode, uh, it's a very vision-centric one where he basically says, um, I see the, you know, the greater evil that's coming to us and we are not ready for it. And it's for like a very major 
event in the Marvel Universe. Um, so that could be dropping some hints about what's to come in the far future. And uh, there was also another uh, reference in some numbers that we see in the background. Like it was something like 8514, somewhere I can't remember where that number was written. But that's also an Avengers uh, comic book that has a lot of panels, even the cover is where um, Wanda and Vision are both kind of like back-to-back and just doing like a little hand-wavy pose like this. Um, mm-hmm. That's exactly the cover of this specific issue. And there's several scenes or frames or panels within that issue that mimic the way that they're positioned within that specific episode as well, where they're like sitting on a couch watching TV. Um, right at the end when they, they're each holding a twin and they're like, let's see what's on TV. That same exact panel is uh, in this comic, except that they're surrounded by other characters, too. Those characters are missing, and that could be a hint as well. Hmm. I mean, I do like that idea. I did. I did. I do remember now that in the last episode, I forgot to bring up that when I was it in the last episode. I don't know. There was an, an episode where they thought there was like danger of some sort. And uh, Wanda and Vision both went to like went back to back and like went into like action poses. Yeah. They immediately went to like Avengers like <laughs> things. I love That's that. That's the one. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, unless Stephen, did you still wanted to bring up the spoiler thing or no? Yeah, I mean, like, just did, did you want to bring up your spoiler thing? If we do, like, we'll we'll set a little spoiler thing here. Like, if you don't want any spoilers, I mean, don't listen ahead. Uh, come find us on Twitter and everything. Yeah. But if you do, if you do want a couple possible spoiler things, um, there's speculation spoilers. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. sure. yeah, speculation spoilers that came from internet sources. But I, I can't quite remember the name of the character's name. But isn't she the the one that teaches Wanda how to use her powers in the comic books? It's, yeah, it's like Agnes the Agnes, witch. It's, it's yeah, some, something yeah, like, something like that. It's. Like um, Agatha, Agatha. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just remember because she looks like an old lady that has like a cat all the time like just typical old lady villain like <laughs> so yeah, she's the one in the comics that also helps teach Franklin Richards how to control his powers because he has like world ending level powers well yeah, yeah. He, has, he has reality alternating power alternating powers also altering <laughs> but she she like balances the line between being like a bad and evil uh, evil character and a good character right like yeah, she that's, that's, that's that's all of Marvel characters <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. So, Stephen, what was uh, yours? In the trailer, we see Vision go out of the bo- the border, the boundary of things, and then he falls to his knees. Oh. Oh. In, in the scene of it, um, it's there's a light spilling onto him that's coming from that that border. Um, that's like reddish, and it's like a like a rim light on the top of his head, and like on like a bit of his hands and stuff, but. In in seeing him that way in like um, profile and then with a little bit of light casting on him, I can't tell for sure or not if he is gray with like missing life from him in that scene. So Whoa. I, have to, I have to assume yeah. that Marvel Studios and Disney Plus decided to release this one minute like trailer because they've heard people being like, I don't get it and it's not moving along fast enough. It's like a, it's a tease to be like, hey, don't wait, don't worry. We're going to get there. Things are going to happen. what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> there is also a part in there where someone is looking at the the border thing uh, and there's a figure that's coming through that 
has like a like a duster that looks like they're wearing um and possibly like carrying a bag like it almost looks like this like outline cross between like fury and mary poppins <laughs> i don't know who it is but we see the shape of someone coming through that border it's wanda bringing and I, yondu back i know i'm mary poppins y'all <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's um, those are the biggest spoilers that I saw going like framing through the trailer on YouTube. Okay, well there you go. If you have uh, more information or want to talk about Wandavision with one of us, you can find me on Twitter. Wait. I am at Mitchipedia. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. oh. So before you go, I got interrupted here by my kid. <laughs> um, but I wanted to throw in as well um, that anybody who'd seen the trailers would know that there's more to the show because they drop a lot of stuff in, yeah. the, in the first two trailers. Like a scene where Agatha looks catatonic, or Agnes looks catatonic, and Vision's trying to like wake her, and she screams, and then she says like, "Am I dead?" And Vision says, "No." Why would you say that? Yeah, and she says, "Well, because you are." So we already know that there's some something afoot here. Um, I just don't think like people who are complaining. I I just don't think the 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 general audience watches trailers as much as. Uh, we do, or people like us do. <laughs> it's, I mean, honestly, it's true. The, I, t- I still remember a couple of years ago, there was a friend of mine I was talking to who I would consider like a nerdy person who didn't know that Batman's parents were killed. <laughs> so, uh, well, that but, could just not be his like area of expertise, but you know, like. <laughs> It could be. It could be any anything. People just some, t- tune into whatever they want to tune into, so they don't they don't pay attention. All right. So if you have an opinion on the things that we talked about, or uh, have some insight you would like to share, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for Geek Elite Media. Stephen, where can people find you online? You can find me all across social media as Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent. Uh, also, just go ahead on Twitter, uh, check out my tweet about the hashtag Double Dusted movement. More to come. That's right. Get 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 it out there. Get that hashtag out there. We need more mm-hmm. Double Dusted. Hey, hey, get get that on Reddit. I'm I'm waiting for the next step in this to do that one. I've got plans, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's Machiavellian plans. Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. And John? You can find me on Twitter at Magic Bollocks, hashtag double dusted. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can find Elizabeth and everybody else at Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Please check out our Patreon patreon.com slash geekly media we have bonus material there that you can only get if you're one of our patrons and whatever podcatcher you you use to listen to us please rate and review us it helps spread the word of our network but mm-hmm. until next time this is the geeks watch on the geekly media network saying always remember to geek out geek out this concludes our broadcast Peace.